welcome into our broadcast. My name is Jacob Ayer, and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Liz Wang, Corey Branson, and Nico Roselli of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unseated grounds of the Musqueam people. You are listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. This past week, volleyball had flames shooting out from hands and feet as they were set on fire and took down the Calgary Dinos in 12 straight sets. Yes, three from Friday night by the women, three from Friday night by the men, and then a repeat of that on Saturday. It was quite a weekend for volleyball. Meanwhile, basketball traveled out to Prince George to take three of four from UNBC, while hockey took four convincing games of their own in Lethbridge against the Pronghorns. And men's rugby traveled to Montreal to begin their Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship. Yes, it is really that. That is really what it's called. They need to shorten it. As they are beginning what will be a potential three-peat run, good luck to them. They took on the Brock Badgers yesterday. We'll see how that went later. But most importantly, our very own Corey Branson, took part in our very first UBC Sports collaboration and chatted with second-year wide receiver Jacob Patton. Looking forward to hearing that interview, and that will be coming shortly, just after we talk a bit about how awesome volleyball is. Yeah, let's talk about some volleyball. Um, the men's volleyball team extended their winning streak to four games following back-to-back wins over Calgary. They were dominant in both matches over the Dinos, winning every single side they played. And that means uh, this winning streak will improve the T-Birds record to 5-3 to three in Canada's West action. Game 1, match 1, was UBC a 3-0 set win over Calgary, as they all were. This win was relatively smooth for UBC, winning each set by at least 4 points. The only real hardship UBC faced was a 2-point deficit at the the second set's technical timeout, down 16-14. And if that is your only low point for an entire match, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, a really key aspect of this one was the service game for UBC. They had nine aces compared to two for the Dinos. Ben Hooker and Jordan DeShane got three each, and Colton Liu chipped in with two. Yeah, Liu and Matt Neves led the team with ten kills each, while Michael Dalhanyuk, who's been unbelievable since he missed the first few games of the season, he had six kills on a 600 hitting percentage, along with a team-high eight digs. And as a team, the Thunderbirds hit 402, which at that point was their season high. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, that season high lasts only one night as the Thunderbirds hit an incredible 0.436, a falling match. How terrible. (laughs) You only have one night of a season high? Oh, wait, you bested it. Congrats, T-Birds. It was so, it was honestly insane seeing that go up. The night after, I mean, me and Jake were broadcasting both. It was just bizarre how good they actually were on court. Yeah, I remember before we started the broadcast, or like right when we started the broadcast, I mentioned, oh, I don't think UBC can hit 400 again like they did last night. And then they almost hit 450 the entire night. And at the end of the match, I was just talking to you saying, well, they made me look real dumb right there. (laughs) UBC won the first and third sets by over 10 points and had... 41 kills compared to just 23 for Calgary really was a massacre on the court. The Thunderbirds were well-disciplined. They only made seven errors throughout the entire match. They were above Calgary in almost every statistical facet. 
Yeah, and also very strong service game as well. UBC in this game has 10 aces on the day, five of which are coming from Colton Lu, which is uh, who's also the Canada West leader in aces per set. Yeah, Lu had a really strong match just overall, not even just in serving. He had five kills, four digs, three blocks to go along with all of those aces. Yeah, Neves, Dalhanyuk both had 10 kills each. Dalhanyuk, second straight night, 600 hitting percentage. He now leads Canada West in hitting percentage at 452, which is Ridiculous. absolutely insane. We'll take it. And the craziest part was they weren't even feeding him the ball that much through the first four weeks. They realized when they started playing Mount Royal, oh, Dalhanyuk is playing well. Oh, he has fixed inconsistency flaws in his game. Oh, now he's hitting 452. I mean... The one thing I was talking with Jake about was, should they keep Matt Neves as the principal option he sees the most total attacks on the team? Maybe it's working, because if you feed Dalhaniak too much, he might get overwhelmed, but I don't know. If you keep feeding a man who has a 450 hitting percentage ball, I think good things come, but we'll see. Yeah, and uh, coming to the women's side, the women's team were just as, as successful this past weekend as the men's team as they also swept the Dinos 6 set to 0. Um, this boosts their record over 0.500 again as they are now also 5-3 on the season. Again, another 3-0 set sweep. Thunderbirds worked hard for this set's shutout though as Calgary was able to get 20 and then 21 points in the second and third sets. The third set had a Three had three lead changes as well to go along with six different ties, so much harder earned victory than the men's side. Yeah, Gabby Atea was incredible. 19 kills in just three sets along with two blocks. The Dinos only had 25 kills as a team, while the Thunderbirds had 45. Yeah, Atea almost making that mark. Yeah, and it wasn't just Atea in this one. Uh, Jade Robertson had a really strong performance. She was coming off a concussion a couple weeks ago, so it's nice to see her rebound well. She had eight kills, three digs, two blocks, three aces. Anna Price as well had seven digs and seven kills, while Kayla Oxland had 39 assists and led UBC with four aces. And like the men's team, the Thunderbirds women's side also held the advantage at the service line with 11 aces compared to four for Calgary. Yeah, it's so nice talking about all these great wins. There's another one in game two. Thunderbirds won it by even more than the first match. They only allowed Calgary to reach that 20-point mark in the third set. UBC was down 16-12 in that third set, but they were able to come back and win the set and therefore the match along with it as they were led by a strong service line barrage, or barrage from Casey Jost and Heather Pippis, who combined for three aces in that final stretch. Yeah, and UBC once again dominated Calgary in kills, which is 46-25, to 25, and aces, which is 11-2. to 2. And uh, Gabby Atria also had another monster game, leading UBC with 17 kills and three blocks to go along with two aces. And that also includes other strong performance, um, like Joe's, like Joe's with five aces, in, which including two clutch aces at the end of the match. Also, Oxland with thirty-seven assists and six did, and Robertson who had nine kills and two blocks. Next up for UBC is a two-game home series with Thompson Rivers on Friday and Saturday. The men's game tomorrow starts at 11.30 a.m., while the women's is at 7 p.m. The TRU women's team is 7-1, and one, while their men's team is just 1-5. and five. So different ends of the spectrum there uh, for the opponents UBC is facing this weekend. Now, we are going to move into the interview content that we 
previewed slightly at the start of the show, I got a chance to sit down with second-year wide receiver Jacob Patton of our UBC Thunderbirds football team just last week. This was our first collaboration with the UBC, our student paper here on campus. They will be posting a video recording of this interview tomorrow on our YouTube channel and their YouTube channel. Yeah, it'll be coming up on both ends. Um, It'll just have both of our logos throughout it because we both contributed, so... Yeah, it was a really great opportunity, and without any other further ado, here is me with Jacob Patton. I'm Corey Branson with the CITR Sports Collective and Thunderbird Eye, accompanied by UBC Sports Editor Miko Benrimo, helping us with video. Today we are here to once again interview one of our own Thunderbird athletes. Today I'm joined by Jacob Patton, an ascending wide receiver for our UBC football team, In this his second year with the program. Not only did Jacob lead all T-Birds in receiving yards and touchdowns, but he was fourth in Canada West in yards per game and led the conference in touchdowns through the regular season. He also had a penchant for some splash plays as well. Jacob, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Let's get right into it here. To get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your athletic journey. I understand that along with football, you played soccer in high school back at Bishop Bryan Catholic in Hamilton. Were there other sports that you dabbled in back then and what eventually led you to pursue football? Uh, actually, I started out uh, in an early age playing soccer until uh, high school, grade nine. I tried out for the football team, so that was actually the first sport I dabbled into other than soccer. And uh, other than that, I played uh, basketball as well. And soccer for me in high school was probably the biggest thing, and it looked like my future for a little bit because I was playing senior in grade nine. Uh, but later on I realized like football was my true love and I just stuck with that and pursued it and I ended up at UBC which is huge and I'm glad I can do what I can do for the team this year. Yeah we're happy that we have you here doing what you do for the team. Yeah. Uh, as we said you had a fantastic season. Now you were featured by Varsity Letters with Howard Samora back in September. I thought this was a really great profile of you. In that interview you mentioned Stefan Diggs and Calvin Johnson as a couple of NFL role models for you. Looking instead at people you've worked with directly, did you have any coaches or veteran teammates that really helped you refine yourself as a football player? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I had uh, two personal relationships with uh, a couple of players that left this year. Um, uh, one of them was uh, Marcus Davis, who plays at the Ticats right now. Gave me some really good advice on just keeping my confidence and not worrying about what happened in the last play, but just focusing on the next play. And uh, also Travel Pinto gave me a lot of good advice. Um, coach Taylor Nil, he's our receiver coach and our offensive coordinator. He gave me a lot of help over the summer as well, just perfecting uh, my skill set. And we just moved forward from there. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you had a lot of help. Yeah. Marcus Davis from my hometown. So <laughs> yeah. big fan of that answer, of course. All righty. Now, the numbers you put up this year, they were eye-catching on their own, but they pop even more when compared to what you did last year. In 2018, you had 13 catches, 170 yards, and no touchdowns, while in 2019, you hauled in 38 passes, 581 yards, 5 TDs. Awesome stat line. What do you think helped you transition so much as a player between year one and year two? Uh, I think the thing that helped me transition the most from year one to year two was my confidence. I just feel like I wasn't the most confident all the time, and... Building that over the summer was a big deal for me, just catching every ball I can possible, and just went from there. 
Awesome. So we talked about the individual stats there, and those are interesting, of course, but there's no stat more telling than wins. The Thunderbirds finishing 2-6 and six didn't have the best season, and I'm not going to waste your time asking if you would have rather had more wins this season. Yeah. I think I know the answer, but I'm curious, how do you think you can elevate your game for next season to help this team win some more? I think the biggest thing for me is to just focus on improving the people around me as best I can as a teammate and just... Uh, contributing to their successes as well um me being a year two guy going into year three uh there's still a couple receivers that are older than me but like I hope we could help each other out going forward yeah that sounds awesome and kind of a follow-up to that how do you think the team as a whole can improve if you have any ideas yeah as a whole I just feel like um we we were young this year right and we spiked at the wrong time we started really connecting and clicking everything together come game five game six and that was the biggest thing for us and uh our game against sask was just probably our best performance this year yeah well uh, i have a question about the game against saskatchewan later on uh, because i really do want to get into that but firstly i do want to talk about what has been called the catch for a moment Uh, For those folks who are unfamiliar, you made a circus grab back in week one against Regina. Took all of 10 seconds for the Canada West commentators to draw Odell Beckham Jr. comparisons. In that Varsity Letters article that we talked about, you talked about the play at length, so we won't go into it too much. But my question for you, do you consider yourself that sort of flashy, big play, vertical threat as a receiver? Or do you try to be the more dependable, move the chains kind of guy? I think in in high school, I was more of the flashy guy. I just wanted to do as much as I could to get a first down. This year I feel like I'm more of a dependable player and more of a chain mover than I was uh, in high school. But I also have that that flashy threat to me as well, which I like to use. Yeah. And I guess as more of a football philosophical question, do you think one style of receiving is better than the other? Uh, Personally to me, I think like the flashy, big, deep play threat guy is, is definitely better just in my opinion, because it's just, it's more fun to play loose and just do what you want to do. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you can have a fun time out there, you're going to be making good plays. Yeah, exactly. So Tommy Yanchuk and Gabe Olivares, they both spent time this season as your starting quarterback. They're different players. They have different throws in their arsenal, but your production was pretty consistent no matter who was behind center. How was that adjustment for you, especially in games like the first one in Saskatchewan, where it was a different quarterback from drive to drive at some times? Honestly, they... They both are hungry young quarterbacks. They they want to get the job done. They want to step in and show they can lead our team to a win, to a championship, and whatever else moving forward. And honestly, to compare them both, they both have their ups and, and their downs. But overall, I feel like they both produce uh, very well. So in, in my opinion, the ball doesn't change. The throws are relatively similar. And uh, I'll just keep going out there and I'll do whatever I got to do, whoever's at quarterback. Yeah, awesome. It's a great mentality to have, I'm sure. Now, we talked about the Saskatchewan game. As a team and for you as a player, nothing stood out for you folks more this season than your home win. Against the Huskies, you had 204 yards receiving in that game. That was the most for a Thunderbird since your friend Travel Pinto. You yeah. had 244 against <clears throat> the Bisons. That was in 2016. It was also a quadruple overtime game. It's not really a fair comparison. In a non-overtime game, we can't even find the last time somebody had that many yards. Uh, The stats get really murky after about 10 years. So what prompted this sort of Herculean effort out of you? Honestly, uh, I was just playing with all my heart. I just didn't 
didn't want to lose to Saskatchewan again. And uh, I just put my body on the line every time I could. I tried to my best to focus on every ball coming my way to make sure I could grab it. doesn't matter if I thought I had to dive or not. But uh, I, my main thing was just being in my zone and doing what I do best and beating the guy ahead of me. Yeah. Certainly worked out pretty well for you folks. Yeah, yeah. That was an awesome did. game to cover for me, and I'm sure it was an awesome game to play in for you folks. Yeah. I'd love to look towards the future for you. You'll still be with us here in Vancouver for a couple more years, we're hoping, and there's no rush to make a decision, but do you see yourself continuing to pursue football once you finish at UBC? Uh, I do. Uh, my dream is to go pro, so i definitely, definitely looking to pursue football after, after university, yeah. Awesome. But yeah. i got to get my degree first. <laughs> That's so. very true. That's very true. Stay in school, kids. All righty, Jacob. Lastly, I do want to do a little bit of a fun activity with you. So... You were somewhat active on Twitter back in the summer of 2016. <laughs> yes. Uh, as part of my journalistic duty, I had to look back and yeah. see some of the things you tweeted. So I have a couple of sports takes that you have here. I just want to see uh, what your reaction is to some of these three years later. Yeah. First one I have here, uh, Bizmac, spelled B-I-Z space M-A-C, is absolutely disrespecting that Fisher-Price net. This is, of course, re- uh, referencing Bismack Biombo, yeah. Game 7. Conference semifinals, Raptors against the Heat. He had 16 rebounds in that game. Oh, yeah. You called a Fisher-Price net. Yeah. Are you insinuating that this is some kind of deflate gate sort of situation? He changed the equipment being used in the game, and he was actually rebounding off a Fisher-Price net? I, I was uh, more leaning towards just the fact that uh, he's treating it like it's a kid's game, you know, and, like, he was doing some pretty stellar stuff. So, All right. Gotcha. Yeah, that's so. all I got for that. Okay, so no letter to Adam Silver on that one. Next one I have for you here. Uh, this is from June 22nd, 2016. You said, since when was Chief Keef producing music and playing Euro Cup football with Portugal? Did a bit of research here. Uh, I think you were talking about Renato San- Sanchez. Um, uh, it was actually uh, Adair okay. from Portugal. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So now, was, a cool time. was this a compliment for Adair? Uh, it was honestly just, it was funny to me. Like, they just looked the same running on the field and stuff, so... Uh, they both got the dreads. Renato Sanchez, even, he's got the dreads, too. They both look like Chief Keefe, but, yeah, his money about him. So. All right. So not a diss at either Chief Keefe oh, or no, Adair. No. Okay. No, I know. Great. And the last one I have here, my personal favorite. This is from back in May 2016. You say, Channing Fry looked like the kind of dude to take his kid to the ballpark and just wet threes on him and go home. My last question for you, Jacob, what did Channing Fry ever do to you? Oh, no, he didn't do nothing to me. I was actually watching the, the playoffs of the Cavs because I'm a huge Kyrie fan when they won the championship, and Channing Fry was just lights out, just not missing, and he just seems like the kind of guy to just go there and show his kids what's up, you know? <laughs> so. so no ill will towards Channing no, Fry? No, no, no. All right, we'll let him Never know. Never harsh times. All right. So that will wrap up our interview. Again, thank you so much for coming, Jacob. I know it's a busy time of year academically, so we really appreciate it. Thank you for being a good sport with that last little uh, fun (laughs) section there. Yeah, of course, man. No problem. Awesome. Uh, This has been Corey Branson with the CITR Sports Collective and Thunderbird Eye. I was joined by Jacob Patton of the UBC Thunderbirds football team, also joined by UBC sports editor Miko Benrimo. He was helping us with video, as I mentioned. That'll be all for us here, folks. Thank you all for listening. Hello, and welcome back to our normal section of this program at Thunderbird Eye. If you were listening to that interview but didn't catch the beginning, 
What that was was our very own Corey Branson sitting down with second-year wide receiver of the UBC Thunderbirds, Jacob Patton. We're now going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs, and then we'll come back with some basketball and men's rugby. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a bit. It's at Mint Records. We know you'll have a great time at this year's Mint Records Ridiculously Early Xmas Party. Join us at the Red Gate on November 30th for a warm and festive evening of music with Dumb, Tough Age, Necking, Supermoon, Kellarissa, and Jay Arner. As usual, Santa will be giving away presents jammed with goodies from his elves at Audiopile, Nemesis Coffee, Lucky's Comics, and Six Cent Press along with a surprise mint release to the first 50 people through the door. Limited advance tickets are available online or at Red Cat Records and Neptune Records. X. When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, it's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions! There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help in all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discord or magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the floor of the Student Union Building. We got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. Hello and welcome back to Thunderbird Eye. Now we're going to look at the basketball results from this past weekend. The women's team split their road series in Prince George, trading blowouts with UNBC. The first game was an 80-63 to loss that saw the Thunderbirds turn the ball over 27 times. The second game was an 80-62 to win that saw the Thunderbirds clean up their act a bit, outscoring the Timberwolves 42-23 to in the first half and never looking back. Kaylin Filowicz was a beast this weekend, particularly in Game 2. She recorded 13 points on 5 of 11 shooting, 13 rebounds, and 3 steals in Game 1, before exploding for 24 points on 9 of 15 shooting, 17 rebounds in Game 2. She did, however, turn the ball over 12 times in the two games combined, so not a perfect weekend, but still, that kind of production is pretty hard to be angry it, about it's basically basically like Kira Van Rijk from last year where every week when we talk about the women's basketball team we start off yeah Ke- Keelan Filowich Keelan Filowich is guaranteed to have a big weekend <laughs> and looking at basketball again Jessica Hansen was similar as though she did turn the ball over 11 times on the weekend she averaged 14 points on 50 percent shooting six and a half rebounds five assists and two and a half steals so you like the stat line in that the turnovers were kind of offset she contributed everywhere else Meanwhile, Kate Johnson made her return from an MCL injury. She started game one 
and came off the bench in game two. She didn't score much, only six total points, but she did lead the team in assists, which is her usual strong suit along with defense both nights with five in game one and then six in game two. Yeah, a couple other standout performances. Emily Martindale chipped in with 11 points, five rebounds, and two steals off the bench in game one. And Tannis Metcalf nearly double-doubled in game two with 11 points, nine rebounds, two assists in just 18 minutes. So good production from them right there. And then on the men's side, the men's team swept UNBC without that much trouble winning 96 to 78 in game one and 88 to 66 in game two on friday five thunderbirds scored in double figures jane cohey and grant audio both scored 20 and root claire had 15 off of five threes zach moore had 12 and my boy lincoln rosebush scored 10 points on four four shooting in just eight minutes Incredible stuff. Very well-rounded offensive performance from the Thunderbirds. I'm sure Corey loved that side note about Lincoln Rosebush. It's not a side note. He scored double figures. Oh, he's a principal contributor. Yes. Right, right. right. I'd like not to comment. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Manroop, Claire, and Jane Coey combined to shoot 11 for 21 from three, and they both also added four rebounds and four assists. Claire shot a nice rebound in terms of stat sheet. 9 of 18 from deep on the weekend after shooting just 7 of 30 over his previous five games, which include last weekend and the end of preseason. Yeah, if he can get that shot going, I mean, it's only going to bode well for this team moving forward uh, as a three-point specialist like that. Zach Moore had a very well-rounded performance of his own with 12 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 steals, and a block. The assists and steals were both a game high. He followed it up with an efficient 11 points, 5 assists, and 2 steals in game now, 2. Now, Corey, wh- what did you just say? What did I just say? You want to hear how Lincoln Rosebush did in game 2? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had 6 points on 3 of 6 shooting, 6 rebounds, an assist, and a steal in just 10 minutes. Okay, I got to be 100% honest. We do use a script for the show, yet Jake has put this information <laughs> off the script clearly just to irritate Corey, and I love it. This is fantastic. This is a great rivalry. I love it, You're welcome. (laughs) Grant Shepard did have a weirdly uh, quiet night on Friday, recording just six points, three of four shooting, and eight rebounds. He bounced back on the next night with a team high, 21 points, going 10 of 16 for shooting, with 13 rebounds in game two. Jacob, you can't say that. (laughs) It's uh, an accidental slip up. Let him live his life. (laughs) back into basketball, Claire's, Claire scored 17 points in Game 2, while Kohi came somewhat close to a triple-double with 11 points, 7 rebounds, and 10 assists. Yeah, good stuff there. Next up for the Thunderbirds, a road trip to Kelowna to play UBC Okanagan, who are 1-5 and five for both men's and women's. The Thunderbirds women's team, 16-0 and all-time against UBCO, have won by at least 18 in all of their last six meetings. The men's team, 13-0 and all-time against UBCO. Last year, they won 103-69 to and 100-29. to Talk about a blowout. <laughs> hey, what was the point differential? Oh, just 71. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, not, not a big deal. And just, again, we're not making any predictions off of those We're numbers. just looking at history. Yeah, we're, yeah. Just, we're just saying it bodes well. History bodes well. I've, I've learned from making predictions based on stats before, so these aren't predictions. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Jumping into the world of hockey, both the men's and women's teams were coming off of a bye week and both were in action against the Lethbridge Pronghorns this past weekend. Both Thunderbirds teams managed to sweep their respective series and man, oh man, did they ever dominate. The men won their first game by a score of 7-1 to and followed that up with a 5-0 shutout win. 
The women won their first game by a score of 4-1 to one and then mirrored the men's team by winning game two, 5 nothing. Yeah, everything went right for the men's in game one. They finally found all of those goals, all uh, goals coming in all three of the periods, including four in the third en route to that huge 7-1 to win. Tyler Sandu led the way offensively, scoring his first career Canada West hat-trick. On top of Sandu, the seven goals meant that the at least 12 different skaters recorded at least a single point. Special teams did play a huge role for the Thunderbirds as they killed off the two penalties they took while converting on four of six power play opportunities. Yeah, Ryland Toth made 23 saves to earn the victory and was less than three minutes away from his first shutout until the Pronghorns managed to get their lone goal in the third. Nico blames it on somebody saying the word shutout prematurely, uh, as superstition does have a lot to play in the world of hockey. Absolutely, it does. You know that it's kind of like a no-hitter in baseball. As soon as you say the word shutout, it's not going to be a shutout. Right. So somebody must have said it. Be careful what you say. Exactly. Um, Looking back at the Pronghorns, they got into penalty trouble, which never ends well in any sort of hockey game. They took eight penalties to UBC's two. Two 10-minute misconducts resulted in 32 total penalty minutes for the Pronghorns compared to UBC's four. Yeah, then game two, UBC dominant again, outshot them 41-14. to Sandu, goal and assist, 11 different skaters recorded a point. UBC converted twice in the opening frame, twice again in the final frame, had a 15-6 to shot advantage in the opening period, just all around domination, including uh, James Orban got his first point as a Thunderbird with an assist. So congrats to him. Meanwhile, Toth will have to wait for his shutout, but Patrick Dea, would make 14 saves in this game to earn his first shutout of the and first win as well of this season. This win marks the first weekend sweep for the Thunderbirds, and hopefully they can take this momentum going forward as they take on Mount Royal next weekend and Alberta, the one after that. We're going to shift over to the women's team now. That team would convert twice on the power play and would outshoot their opponents 30-23 to to capture a Game 1 victory. The T-Birds snapped a five-game streak where the Pronghorns recorded at least a point in their home games, and that was thanks in large part to Tori McLash. Surprise, surprise! McLash stopped 22 out of 23 shots and continues to be solid in the crease. Yeah, this game actually saw Lethbridge open the scoring 637 mark of the first period. Didn't last long, though, because Ireland Perot tied the game just 30 seconds later. Second period, the Thunderbirds scored at the 753-1043 marks, three minutes apart to take a 3-1 to lead, and then add an insurance marker later in the frame as well. Those goals were courtesy of Chanreet Bassi and Matea Fisher. And now jumping into Game 2, have we mentioned that Tori Miklash is a good goaltender? I'm not sure if we have over no, the last few weeks. No, I'm not sure if weeks. we have. In case our I message wasn't... I don't recall. Wasn't... No. I'm... I played the fifth. <laughs> in case our message wasn't clear... Tori McLash is a good goalie. This shutout marked her fifth of the season, and the win sees the Thunderbirds extend their winning streak to six games. UBC held strong with a good start against from the Pronghorns, and Tiffany Chu would open scoring just four minutes and 29 seconds into the game. That goal was followed up with another Michaela Ogrodnichuk just a minute 35 afterward. The second period remained scoreless, and at this point, things were already looking bad for the Pronghorns, as scoring two goals on Miklash is going to be hard to do, especially with all those wins and shutouts in her veteran experience. So, really doing that one period is almost impossible. Yeah, what ended up happening was UBC adding to their lead. They scored another three in that period to close out the series with a 5 nothing win. The goals there came from Ireland Parrott and Hannah Clayton Carroll. UBC will now look to extend this winning streak tomorrow as they take on Mount Royal. 
On the side of men's rugby, today is the second of five days of the Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship taking place in Montreal. Yesterday, the Thunderbirds had their first game of the tournament where they took on the Brock Badgers from St. Catharines, Ontario. The Thunderbirds had no issues in dismantling their opponent. They went up 35-0 early on, talk about shutouts, and they actually ended up going victorious. They did let in a couple points, but it was 56-10 blowout in their favor. Yeah, this is the third annual Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship. Thunderbirds, only school to have ever won it. They won the first two, 2017-2018, and they are the top seed in this tournament. So they played the eighth-ranked team in Brock. They were third in the OUA conference this year, and we took care of business. UBC had eight tries in their win, and they came from eight different Thunderbirds. Mike Smith, Jack Shear, Connor Byron, Don Carson, and Owen Rutten had them in the first half, plus Dan Archer, Nick Allen, and Flynn Hayes after the break. Shear converted the extra point on every try, and Carson was named MVP of the match. Meanwhile, UVic, Queens, and Concordia were also victorious yesterday over UNB, McGill, and Guelph. The four losing teams play in the consolation bracket today, while the semifinals will be played tomorrow. Yeah, the Thunderbirds drew the Concordia Stingers for their match. They were the champions of RSEQ. They're the fourth-ranked team in the tournament, and they are the hosts, so might get a little boost right there. Regardless of the result in that match, UBC will play their final game of the tournament on Sunday, either for the bronze or, hopefully, the gold. And looking at the other stuff we have planned For this weekend, the Canada West Swimming Championships begin tomorrow in Lethbridge. That'll be taking place all weekend. Also, we got the men's rugby game that I just mentioned. Then Repeat. Volleyball taking on Thompson Rivers at home. Basketball taking on UBCO on the road. And hockey taking on Mount Royal. The women's are at home. Men's are on the road. The rematches for all three of those sports take place on Saturday. And then Saturday is also we have men's field hockey against Victoria on the island. Awesome. And with that, thank you for tuning in to an exciting episode of Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. And this is important because tomorrow, check out our social channels to see the video collaboration on that Jacob Patton interview that you guys all heard today. If you're just tuning in, Corey sat down with uh, UBC football second-year wide receiver Jacob Patton. That will be up across social media channels between us and the UBC. And back here on the radio, next up is Rocket from Russia at 10 a.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Liz, Corey, and Nico with contributions from Ben Nelson. Listen Thursdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on CITR Radio or check us on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your day. Lincoln Rosebush. Bechtel Test for Lesk is here to lift you up with a jam-packed, star-studded evening.